0: Hello and welcome back to the only show that knows exactly why you hate sand. I'm Max. I'm Matt. And I'm Luke. And this is Force for Thought. With Disney purchasing Star Wars, they have been cranking out content from movies to TV shows, live action and animated and everything in between. I'm looking at you, live action Tarkin. So today, we're going to be discussing Star Wars since Disney has acquired them and some of the best of what they have had to offer us from favorite characters to our favorite movies and much more. Let's get into it, starting with best character. I'm going to go with Matthew.
1: Yes. Okay. So I have two for my best character. It's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> I, I see Luke looking at me right now, not satisfied with me just with my answer. W- we
2: talked about this earlier. If we were going to share our answers, that we wouldn't be any duplicates. And Matt said, "No, we won't have any duplicates." Yes. And now you're picking two, <laughs> and know, you're still okay, saying yeah. we won't have any duplicates. I'm gonna There's... go
1: with my main one, and then I'll say, like, I guess, like, my uh, the runner-up. All right, let's go. So the runner-up I think is Jin Urso, um, and I don't, I don't have to dive into it just in case that's somebody else's. By looks on your faces, it's not. It's not. But I really like Jin Urso. I think uh, she does. Uh, a lot for Rogue One, but then also the greater good, and I think the character arc we see with her is great in one movie. Uh, But my favorite character, since uh, Disney has taken over is Kanan Jaris. I think he is my favorite Jedi. I know yours is Qui-Gon and oh we don't have to talk about our favorite Jedi's because that feels like a whole other episode but And I you stopped as
0: soon as you got to me because you don't know who mine is, do you? No, I was gonna ask Luke you Luke has already made it clear that it's Qui-Gon. His is Qui-Gon.
1: Yes, that's why yeah, yeah, but what is yours then? I would have to think about it. Yeah, I really don't know I think Kanan is because like I feel I feel like in the original trilogy I really like Luke, but I was like when I was a kid growing up I was like, Oh, I maybe like Han better but mm-hmm. um I think I like Luke overall. But yes, Kanan Jarrus is my answer for my favorite character since Disney has acquired Lucasfilm.
0: And I think they handled him really well too with his death and how they killed him off. Um, Because every time there is a Jedi that is revealed to have survived Order 66, the first question anyone in the fandom has is, okay, where were they during a New Hope Empire return? Like, where were they during all of these events? Um, And I feel like so far they've done a a very good job of addressing all of those things. Um, And Kanan, obviously, they handled very well by the fact that he dies and you don't expect it to from an animated show. Like I've heard a lot of people yep. joke about um, uh, like showing somebody rebels for the first time and having someone point out like, Oh yeah, I showed my friend rebels and, and he said, Oh, who's this Kanan guy? Because he's a Jedi, but he wasn't in a new hope. Yeah. And so it's like, it's... uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll get there.
1: <laughs> Cobbling together two qu- more quick thoughts. I'll probably cut most of this and I, w- I will actually cut this for Jake Taylor. Um, but I think Kanan I didn't realize I like Kanan so much. I mean, I loved him in Rebels, obviously. But then once he appears in Bad Batch, just for that little bit in the first episode of season one, mm-hmm. I think Back that... Back when he
2: was Caleb Doom. Yeah, mm-hmm. it
1: really made me excited to be like, oh, actually, I think that actually might be my favorite. Like, re-seeing him when he's younger uh, kind of reignited it. And then also his death in season four of Rebels is so good. And then they don't save it for the finale, obviously. It's what, two yeah. episodes, maybe three episodes prior? And mm-hmm. I think that death and his sacrifice is... The, the ultimate Jedi thing to do.
2: Yeah, I think he's definitely up there for one of the coolest character deaths in all of Star Wars. And, and I really have. like his character and how they differentiate him from Kanan the Jedi and Kanan the Rebel. Mm-hmm. Like, a lesser version of Rebels would have gone on and made Kanan the de facto general of the Rebellion, as it were, in the show. Not to mention the leader of the Ghost Crew, and I really like that they... Let other characters fill those roles and let Kanan focus on being a Jedi and a Jedi Master.
1: I think you also just like struck something in me, like what I'm trying to like decipher, and I think it is that combo of Kanan the Jedi versus Kanan the Rebel. And I think that is something that I, I like a lot. Like I love Obi Wan, but like at the same time, he is strictly a Jedi and it adheres to all of those rules, which I think sours it a little bit for me. Because mm-hmm. I do love that gray area consistently. Um anyway, Luke.
2: My favorite character since Disney started running the show in 2014 is Kylo Ren.
0: I think that his... That's what I thought Matt was going to say when he said, technically it's two. That's very funny. I think that is funny. I'm surprised Matt didn't
2: say it also just because I think Kylo Ren is so clearly the front runner in my mind. I'm surprised you guys don't feel the same. But even from the very beginning, The Force Awakens, just his design. And I'll never forget the first time in theaters when he removed his mask and how striking that visual was because he's just a normal guy like mm-hmm. he does not look intimidating or you know badass or anything like his mask does and that was just so captivating and then the last jedi i absolutely love and then his character arc in the rise of skywalker just brings it all together and yeah Ky- kylo ren by a mile honestly. I really
1: I really do like kylo ren as well i think that's fu- i mean i'm really glad you like that moment when he takes his his helmet off because I feel like there's so much anticipation around that mm-hmm. specific moment, and then I think when he does take it off, most people's response is like, "Oh yeah, it's just Adam Driver," but like somehow Adam Driver looks ten years younger than he actually is, and he looks like a he child. looked like a child in that scene. He did, yeah. and I think it's great when by the end of it he I don't even know how or why it's not like he had like stubble in Rise of Skywalker. Or anything, but he literally looks older. I mean, he obviously is <laughs> significantly older from when. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I've
2: never thought about it like that, but, but it it does it shows like it's it's not the years; it's the miles for his character's aging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he goes through some stuff, and that really mm-hmm. ages him up. And that just goes to complement Adam Driver's performance. Really, that he can portray maturity not through any physicality yeah but just through his acting
0: I think iconography is also very important and Kylo Ren has two of the most important aspects which are the helmet which is awesome it's a great helmet design um as well as the lightsaber i'll never forget that first trailer when they revealed that lightsaber and just how much conversation the so good cross guard itself Mm -hmm. uh, raised and it's awesome too because if you like actually watch him fight um like they he utilizes that cross the cross guard in his fighting and it's really cool and it's like it's always a very tiny moment whenever he does use it i always kind of like jump a little bit i'm like oh there it is He (laughs) it. um But also, going back to the other character, Ben Solo, I feel like he also, um, I I feel like Adam Driver did an amazing job with Ben Solo for the two minutes that he got to be him. Like, uh, you just see his body language change. Totally, yeah. And it's something that you don't realize when you're watching just Kylo Ren until you see Ben Solo. And then you're like, oh, wow. He He was like i don't know how to describe he's it. a little like he more loose as ben whole... solo
1: he's, he's yeah walking more like his posture is more yes. relaxed yeah yeah he's completely different yeah I mean, when he looks he's like...
0: kylo ren he's like hunched forward and he's like constantly like leaning into it he and everything re- looks
1: like the first order is consistently watching him but Consist- like all the time like he looks like he's under a microscope mm-hmm. versus when he's Ben solo for the, just those few minutes he is loose he is free yeah um yeah, and I mean I think Adam Driver also is an amazing actor, and so obviously what he brings to both of those roles consistently throughout those three movies is great. Mm-hmm. Maxwell? Or let's Luke, do you have anything else to say? Kylo run, very cool. No, I think we're ready to move on.
0: All right. Uh, So kind of uh, similar to what I was saying about the iconography, I chose Din Djarin the Mandalorian himself. Mm -hmm. Partially because, like I said, the iconography, I like his helmet a lot. I think he is really cool. Um, Obviously, everyone likes to cosplay him, but also I just really appreciate everything that that character has done for the entire franchise, starting the entire Mandoverse and everything that's spawning out of it. Like, I feel like... uh, you know, ob- obviously, episodes seven, eight, and nine were huge hits. People loved them, but I feel like it wasn't until *Mandalorian* where it finally started to feel like this universe had some more life in it and some more mileage. Uh, so, kind of from a meta standpoint, I guess. Um, yeah.
1: How do you feel about him as a main, an actual character, though? Because well, that's my biggest, not my biggest gripe. But as, before we get
2: into that, I, yes. I do want to comment on the the meta analysis of it. That in yeah. 2019, like it gets lost. How much was writing on the Mandalorian? Like yeah. there were there were talks that like Star Wars wouldn't work as live action and television, and it should be saved for the big screen. And there was so much writing on the Mandalorian to really nail that first episode, honestly, let alone the first season. Yeah. yeah. And they absolutely did, and they've they've spawned so much success and great creations since then, and it's all thanks to Djarin.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I, um, something that Matt and I have talked about in the past is how like, uh, Tamara Morrison, who plays Boba Fett's upset because basically the Mandalorian was supposed to be Boba Fett, but they wanted it to be something new. Um, and I feel like that's like a common like theory. You know, I think did Tamara even say that himself? I don't, know I don't I'm think he said name that. Right.
1: I think he was just. Aggravate. I think he said something about it, them stealing it, though, right? Or the stealing the show. It, it's I don't hard know. to
0: know because I feel like a lot of fans think that. Like yeah. a lot of people are like, "So that was obviously supposed to be Boba Fett, right?" So it's like a common theory. Um, but I disagree with it. I mm-hmm. think that that it would not have been uh the same had it been Boba Fett. I think you needed a new character to be able to have that character. Well, arc.
1: backstory alone, we know Boba Fett's backstory, so that doesn't work right there. I mean, obviously it could be tailored, I guess, but we've we've seen him in Rebels. We've seen him in. Yeah, uh, and and, Clone and Wars. that mystery and so, is a
0: very important aspect to his character, right? Exa- the first yeah. time you see him, and you don't even see his face until the last episode of yeah. the first season, and yeah,
1: I think the idea of him being Boba Fett because he has the Mandalorian armor is cool, right? Because you just want to see Boba Fett be cool and not die in a starlike pit by accidentally getting hit by Han Solo.
2: Yeah. We haven't seen Boba Fett in Rebels,
1: in Clone Wars. Okay, yeah, when he's a teen, but like even then, I feel like it wouldn't make sense. You kind of, I think they kind of villainize him a little bit in that show. More so. He mm-hmm. has like that softer side, but he definitely is in that softer, I don't know. I mean, I guess that may be a better arc. Um, Anyway. Yeah, Din Djarin, I, I like Din Djarin a lot, obviously. I think I like what he represents more than I actually like the character. Um, I mean, he's obviously very, he's very cool. He's got a lot of swagger. He's, uh, you know, speaks very minimally. Um, That's a good point.
2: I, I agree. I like what he represents more yeah. than I like the character. Because
1: he's also just like the worst fighter, which we, I think we've talked about. The worst what? <laughs> fighter. Like he never, he gets because he, he, has he takes a, a lot of L's. armor. He, 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 <laughs> he just, just tanks just, everything. He just, I, I, he's just always getting saved, um, and I, but which is totally fine because everything, every character needs to, to. But that's a bigger problem. But like again, I really like Dinjar and there's no, no gripes against him. Besides, I like him definitely better as a uh, what he represents than what than the character himself. I like Kane the best.
0: All right, next we're going to move on to the best scene. Luke, I'll go to you first.
2: The best scene since. 2014 is also an easy one in my mind. It is the throne room scene from The Last Jedi. Mm. The way it is framed, the way it uh, impacts Rey and Kylo Ren's character arcs together at the same time. like That's that's one of the most cherished memories of mine in the theaters. Is when that single uncut frame of the lightsaber going through Snoke and then coming forward and Rey catching it and coming Mm -hmm. up into frame that is a moment that just lives in my mind every day I and then I think everything
0: about it slows often. down and then they go back to back and then mm-hmm. they start fighting all six of them at the same time. I remember it being that theater so with you
1: and the freak out it's so I mean it's I rewatching watching the sequel trilogy um, which I realize listening to these back to back I say almost every episode but to you guys I'm like refreshing <laughs> so it makes sense a normal conversation but probably not to bring it up consistently but like it just makes your heart drop. Mm -hmm. every time you watch that scene yeah it's fantastic
0: and i am a big last jedi apologist i love the last jedi and it always upsets me when people try to nitpick that scene by being like oh look at the choreography though of like what they're doing in, in the middle of their fights like it makes no sense and i'm like and usually the irony is that the people that are saying it are the people that are like oh but i like the prequels though but the prequels are different it's like no it's not go back and watch the prequels like the fighting style in the last jedi in the throne room yeah. is the exact same as all of the prequel fights in all of the movies yeah. one two and three with all of their unnecessary spins flips jumps twirls and everything like it's just
1: that's the same thing that's what makes me so hot about it the topic is like have you seen a new hope have you seen al guinness face v- vader like hmm it's we're, it, it's okay like you didn't like a new hope because the saber fight was amazing right yes you can learn and grow and uh you know technology advances and you can do a lot more in the current day but it's like at the core of star wars if you're nitpicking the fight choreography yeah there's a bigger problem there yeah,
2: yeah i agree and i would be remiss also if i didn't mention andy circus's performance in this scene he doesn't get enough credit because everyone thinks of him as just the mocap guy mm-hmm. but His voice alone, which I guess kind of plays into being just a mocap guy, but his his voice is just so amazing. And every single thing he says brings me to the edge of my seat, Mm -hmm. that whole scene.
1: You can hear like every cigar he's ever had. Like (laughs) (laughs) like the way he's talking. It's like every whiskey, every cigar, which is so funny. Matt, um, hit us with your favorite yes. scene. Yes. So, once again, I was debating between two, and it's not. It's also the the, the through line of uh, Rogue One. I loved the Vader scene at the end, mm. um, right before. That was my runner up. <laughs> yeah, it's my runner yep, up. Yep, so, I just one. wanted to mention that because it's so good. Uh, and it's really like the cherry on top of that movie, uh, followed by Max's favorite quote, or second favorite quote of all time, Hope. <laughs> um, but my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it was an honorable mention. <laughs> uh, my favorite scene. Uh, is from the Mandalorian is from uh, season two uh, episode eight when Grogu goes with Luke Skywalker. Um, I think that's the best scene. There is something very nostalgic about it just because we see Luke Skywalker. that reveal mm-hmm. I mean that was maybe top five reveals I've ever seen. I did not see that coming whatsoever. And then not only that but to have Din Djarin remove his helmet around everybody for grogu, And then Grogu also going with Luke and then getting that little bit of R2. There's a lot of emotion packed in that. Mm -hmm. And I think we all talk about like how Star Wars is about like loss and sacrifice consistently. And I think Din Djarin has become attached to Grogu. And it's like anything. It's like you guys with your kids or like me with my cat. (laughs) It's like if you had to like give that up for the greater good, it's like that strikes a core. And I think they do it in such a way that you can put yourself there while also wanting grogu to go with luke because you know luke you trust luke you want mm-hmm. to see what he can do and so it is the most bittersweet moment and then once that door closes and then luke r2 and grogu go off on their own and then you have mando, mando standing with a bo-katan uh and cara Dune and everybody else in that in that uh in that uh Cockpit, Star Destroyer, Imperial um,
2: Light Cruiser, the bridge.
1: Imper- yeah, on the bridge. When they're on the bridge, they're just standing there in silence because they have yeah. no idea what's next and they have no idea what's to come. And I think that's the best scene um that has happened in Star Wars since Disney took over. Yeah. No,
0: that's, no that's a good selection. Yeah. No. It's yeah. a good choice. Th- I always think about that scene. Um, and the fact that Boba Fett was present, but his job was basically to drop them off in the ship and then fly away as a distraction. And I always think about that yeah. because had their plans just been a little bit differently, and Boba Fett was there too, how funny that interaction would have been between him and Luke when they that would have when re- Luke sees him and he's like, mm-hmm. hey, "Hey, wait a minute, are
1: you are you?" <laughs> that would have been really funny. I would love to include a little scene, like a little uh, behind the scenes thing or after credit scene with uh, Chewie and Han flying the Falcon away, and they see. Uh, Boba Fett's ship and he's like Boba Fett where's Boba Fett (laughs) one can dream like in a a
0: comedy movie where like two cars pass each other and they kind of (laughs) like lock eyes as they slowly pass each other on the road but only
1: Chewie sees it
2: (laughs) whenever I rewatch that episode I always think I saw um, I think it was a reddit post a while ago when it probably came out uh, telling that episode story as if it was a tabletop role playing game And (laughs) the guy playing Boba Fett is like, all right, I drop everyone off. And uh, I actually just got a call. I have to leave right now. (laughs) And the game master's like, all right, just leave. Boba Fett flies away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's very funny. Because that's the thing, too. I was going to say, like, I'm glad we all kept our scenes pretty concise. Because there's, I mean, yours is pretty, pretty tight. But, I mean, like, in, in mine, it's like, I, do I include when Luke, fly, the X-Wing, flies into the ship? Mm. Do I include I even yeah, the hallway all scene? Such a bit I'm not even moments. including that. But, I mean, that just amplifies it more, but specifically the scene when he enters the the, the bridge mm-hmm. yeah. is so good.
2: I think you made the right choice, though. The, the culmination of Din Djarin's uh, character arc.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Luke.
0: Well, um my favorite scene if you've listened to our favorite quotes episode you might know where this is going but it's from a little tv show called andor uh the episode is called narkeena five it is a prison in which uh uh, andor is a part of a prison breakout led by kino Loy himself yeah and uh it is uh it is To me, by far and away, the best scene in all of Star Wars because you have (laughs) Kino Loy, this man who made it very clear that he cares about no one but himself, forced to lead a a little uh, rebellion within this prison knowing that it required him to sacrifice himself, but the viewer didn't know that until the very end when they're about to jump into the water and he says that he can't swim. It is a moment that will always break my heart and that I always think about, and it is a moment that if I have... Uh, fifteen minutes to kill. I will go on Disney Plus and I'll jump to that episode and I will watch that scene as I will the throne room scene from Last Jedi. I watch that scene quite a bit actually. Me, me too. It's, it's me a too. lot of fun. Um, but I think I think that scene and the the uh, the emotion in that personal sacrifice by Kino Loy makes it to me not even close. I think uh the hallway scene with Darth Vader mm-hmm. uh, was probably my runner up, but I also had the Last Jedi throne room scene up there too. But no, it's, it's the breakout of Narkina 5 with Kino Loy. It's yeah. so good.
2: That I can't swim moment also is very well staged and how like all these prisoners are seeing the outside for like the first time in you know yeah. probably years and like the wind's blowing in their hair and it's bright and it's so chaotic and or turns back and just barely doesn't have enough time to see what's going on. And yeah, I agree. That's a great selection.
1: You nailed it, Max. I, g- I 1000% agree. It is one of the best scenes in Star Wars of all time, not even just when Disney took over. And it has one of the best quotes of all time.
2: (laughs) That's interesting. I don't want to rehash an older episode, but I think this does... Almost prove Matthew's point that that is not a quote; it is a moment.
1: What? Yes, thank you, Luke. I'm gonna insert just what we said last episode Absolutely right not. here. Absolutely not. This okay. Well, it's an amazing. Well, also, when are you counting your scene? When at what point is it starting? I thought I thought about that when you said, I, "Oh, we're picking pretty yeah. tight
0: scenes." I'm like, I'm picking like half an episode.
1: I also, for some reason, like I, if I had assumed a, you went already, if I
0: had to narrow it down, I would say the scene where they start jumping in the water, the the okay. very end of the break. That
1: is the scene. Yeah,
0: when Cassian says to to Melshi, I believe. That no, no matter, matter
2: what, what happens, happens, we made it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's a great moment. Yeah.
1: Okay. That's yeah, that's a that's a tight scene. Yeah. I mean, you can literally include the the full episode too, that lead up, but yes.
0: Um okay. Next we are going to do our favorite TV show. And let's start with Matt.
1: My favorite TV show from it's gonna be Luke's as well. It's one thousand percent andor, which I think is one of the best things, if not the best thing, Disney has done Since acquiring Lucasfilm, Um, Andor. I, I don't know if I said this on the podcast yet, but I've told Max this before, is that I think Mandalorian is everything I want Star Wars to be, fan service wise, and Andor is everything I didn't know I want Star Wars yet to be, which is I think what Star Wars should be in general is consistently moving it, you know, the story forward, consistently moving themes forward, seeing things we've never seen before, seeing the intricacies, even seeing the guy ringing the bells in the town it's like the time grappler those little things i think he's called i've never (laughs) yeah that's a very cool title and in that universe i'd love to be the time grappler um but i feel like seeing all those intricacies really build the builds the world out and i think that's what i want more of consistently and then not only that we have like implied sex in andor which we've never gotten in star wars not it's like a massive deal Mm -hmm. but like we all probably were like whoa yeah, like it's gay a, it, people. It's, it's yeah, a lot of firsts. There's a lot of firsts. I think that's in Rise of Skywalker though. There's a lesbian couple, barely. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Technically, yes. True. Sandwich against Lin Manuel Miranda's if, cameo. You pause it at the right moment. You can yeah. see it in the background. But I think there's a lot of firsts exactly, and it just kind of expands the world. It has a darker tone. It has the and also to to kind of caveat this a little bit, and then I'll move on. But Andor, I think, is my least favorite part of Rogue One. Yeah, I think he's my least favorite character out of the whole bunch. And when it was announced, I wasn't thrilled. I was like, this character. And then within the first 10 minutes, completely changed my mind and completely gave a new context to Rogue One. And then not only that, set up a character that I realized I had really no knowledge about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so excited to see what he does, and I still am for those remaining two, uh, 12 episodes. Yeah. So Andor is my favorite. I,
2: I don't want to beat on a dead horse, so to speak. So I'll, I'll keep this brief, because that's also my favorite. No, and I beat think the on a dead horse. And I think the most remarkable thing... Not the most remarkable thing, but the only thing I'll say right now is in a saga built around hope, Mm -hmm. the most hopeful character is all of a sudden this nerdy little third-rate Imperial wannabe that wants to date
0: Dedra. (laughs) Yeah,
2: that is that is just hilarious he to has me. To go
0: home to his mom. Yeah, <laughs> he had, to, had to go back live with his mom's house. He was <laughs> eating cereal one morning.
2: Right, just talking about Uncle Arlo and his massive aspirations and hopeful future.
1: Yeah. Everything you're saying sounds like a Judd Apatow movie <laughs> 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 from the producers of Knocked Up brings Andor. That's funny.
0: I um if if I were being. Really honest with myself, I think the answer is Andor. However, I wanted to provide a different perspective, so I... I think it's Veil, too. I was going to say uh, my favorite is kind of uh, technicality, but I'm going to say uh, The Clone Wars, the final season. Okay. Um, because when they came back and they announced that they were bringing back The Clone Wars, it felt like... Um, It felt like they weren't going to do everything their way or the highway. They were going to pay some respect to some of the other uh, existing property because when Disney acquired everything, they immediately decanonized everything. They took all of the legends, all of the other books and comics and everything, and they said, okay, none of that applies anymore. But they did keep Clone Wars, and that was really important um, because, like I said, I I feel like it would have been really easy for Disney to just be like, okay, well, this is how we're doing it now. Uh, I know there's rumors. um, I don't know if it's ever been confirmed or not, but... Uh, when... Disney uh, first purchased Lucasfilm that George Lucas had a treatment for his versions of episodes 7, 8, and 9 and he gave it to them uh, and supposedly they didn't follow it at all they just did their own thing which again, I can't blame Disney I feel like it's really easy for them mm-hmm. to be like okay, thanks George Like, but we have this property now, it's ours we're going to do things our way but yet uh, Clone Wars was kind of the one thing where they were like you know what, we're going to we're gonna bring that back we're going we're gonna to finish it it was a, a great story that was left untold uh, and we have faith in Dave Filoni and we're going to give him the reins to do what he wants it is but outside of all that Mm -hmm. it's also just an incredible season of tv because you have three story arcs in it you got the first story arc which is the bad batch which was the introduction of them which who later went on to have their own tv show which is also a lot of fun and would probably also be in my top three or four tv shows right now even though that's also an animated show um uh, and then you had the story with the Martell sisters, which a lot of people poo-pooed, but it really helped flesh out Ahsoka's storyline in order to make it all the more rewarding. in the third storyline, when she eventually came back and you saw the Siege of Mandalore and it overlapped with the events of Revenge of the Sith. And I've seen so many super edits of Revenge of the Sith intertwined uh, with uh, the Clone Wars the mm-hmm. final season, the Siege of Mandalore arc. And it is, it's just so great. And it brings a, a satisfying conclusion to uh, Ahsoka's storyline, Maul's storyline um yeah
1: i think that is incredibly valid too because i feel like some people could say it started obviously uh not under disney but like you said season seven specifically feels like its own thing it's told in a very different way in the fact that it does have like three distinct arcs as well Mm -hmm. and i think beyond that it is i think it says a lot that disney kept clone wars uh to go forward with and kind of nixed almost everything else Mm -hmm. um but yes, I, I I think that's a great choice as well. Yeah,
0: because a lot of, like I said, a lot of people give Disney crap, like oh, they don't care about the fans. All they care about is making money. But I feel like that that's like, my argument to the contrary. Like, no, they, they could have just got rid of Clone Wars along with everything else, but they said, like, you know what? This means a lot to the fans, and this fits with our version of what we want the story to be going forward, and they had to decanonize, if not everything, almost everything, because, you know, clearly they were going to want to build out this universe more um, in a new way, so yeah. it would have been just, you know, feasibly not practical to be able to keep every single book that was written canon and still tell new stories within that universe. Well,
1: there's so much contradictory storytelling I think within those two because you have a a mass amount of time
0: I I really like the
2: Clone Wars season seven for a lot of reasons but it's interesting thinking about the legacy of George Lucas because he's not a tremendous filmmaker in broad strokes he he has his moments he's great (laughs) Matt's Matt's
0: getting his his boxing gloves on (laughs) he's great at writing
2: stories but in terms of like actually making and producing content it's only okay and Dave Filoni was talking about at a celebration, it must have been 2022, about how George Lucas was always so committed to pushing the technology of filmmaking forward, which he's done a great job with. You know, the first CG character, the first film shot entirely digitally, and then the first, one of the first 3D animated series. And Dave Filoni was talking about how it's such a risky endeavor to keep pushing it forward when it's not ready, but it's never going to be ready unless someone does it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by the end of the Clone Wars, it's done and it's really, really good and they've, you know, mastered the technology and he said like, so of course it's the best episodes of the Clone Wars because we finally got really good at it and developed the technology.
0: But they continue yeah. to uh, develop and um, maybe not new technology but incorporate different technology because in the uh, Siege of Mandalore uh, they brought back um, um, Ray, Park. Uh, Ray Park, thank you, uh, to mocap as Darth Maul and you can see it in some of the choreography when he fights Ahsoka um, like how he, he does this weird like like, he kicks off the air almost when he jumps. The leg kick with right foot, with right strike? I know exactly yes. what you're talking yes. about. <laughs> it looks like the human equivalent of trying to double jump. Um, but it's, it's like a very Ray Park thing to do. And, like, he mm-hmm. does it in The Phantom Menace. And it's like, it's very iconic. And as soon as I see that, like, that's always the moment where I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a person in there.
1: So, I think, yeah. sorry, you're probably going to say something more relevant to the, what we're talking about.
0: No, I was just going to say that I, I, I agree. I think uh, Clone Wars has always kept that tradition alive of incorporating new technology and trying different things.
1: Yeah, I think uh, going to the George Lucas filmmaking thing, I 1,000 percent agree. Like,
2: all right, I didn't think we were in a, in a
1: certain. Way, I think he's one of those people that is there at the wrong time in the wrong place, and yet the exact right place and the exact right person because he reminds me a lot of like a James Cameron. James Cameron, I think, is a better director, but he's consistently trying to push the envelope. George Lucas was a consistent forward thinking, and forward thinker, and I think filmmaking for him slows him down. It's a long process, specifically in the 70s and 80s. It takes a long time. And I think where his interests lay were more or less, he created a full world, and I think if he wasn't limited to Star Wars, if it wasn't so big, he could have done more movies but i don't i think he he is serving the purpose of the greater good (laughs) of star wars and what it can go and then also we should at some point talk about light magic the documentary on disney plus which i think might be my favorite documentary of all time yeah it's
2: good i was just about to bring up ilm like george lucas created star wars and has this whole massive legacy and then also he just casually made the most technologically advanced visual effects company for the last 45
1: years yeah
0: which also happened to spawn off some of the other most technologically advanced inventions, like everything that came out of ILM, like Pixar and Photoshop. Photoshop. Yeah, It
1: blows my mind. And I think um, something, uh, this is my force for thought for the episode. Maybe we can repeat this at the end. But if the the greatest film of all time, like if that director directs the greatest film of all time, is that the best director of all time? Or did that person just per chance direct the best movie of all time? Because to me... There's people always say Francis Ford Coppola is the best director because he directed Godfather Part One, Part Two, and Part Three, but usually people don't include that <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, so is he the best director of all time? In which my my answer would be no. But that's I agree.
2: I, I agree. No, I think to be the best of anything of all time, you have to be more than just a couple great projects. You have to be consistent. It's
1: for consistency. years or decades. I agree. That's my force for thought for later. Interesting.
0: All right. Well, um, uh, before we get into our last. Um, topic here i want to do a couple uh, speed rounds real quick let's do it um, doing just a couple of the more vain aspects of design we're going to start with uh, trooper design luke what was your favorite trooper design
2: there are a lot of options and i just really want to highlight this one even if it might not be my favorite i'm gonna bring it up now the first order stormtrooper i think does mm-hmm. not get the proper credit it deserves because it's the whole sequel trilogy and especially The Force Awakens is just such a retread of the original trilogy, and mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't give it as much credit as it deserves because of that. But the first order Stormtrooper looks like what the Stormtroopers should have looked like in the original trilogy. Like their their armor, it's so similar and so it sounds really nitpicky, but they look like the Stormtroopers, just stronger and meaner, which is what they always should have looked like.
1: Yeah. Interesting. I like I prefer the original trilogy Stormtroopers, but I love The first order uh, troopers, as well. I think that first shot of seeing them in that shaky uh, cargo ship, the drop ship Mm -hmm. in the trailer for the first time was mind blowing.
2: Yeah, um, so it, it, I guess it's also important just the way they're portrayed. But I think their design alone also is just such an advancement from the
0: original Stormtrooper. But still, like you said, like feeling natural. Like it, it felt like the next evolutionary step in, in this progression. Th- yes.
1: I think that's the thing. It's, I think we needed the originals to get to this point as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: Um, Even though, because I would disagree with you when you uh, said that the uh, uh, Imperial Stormtroopers are your favorite of the Stormtroopers. Yeah. Or or you said you liked it better than First Order. I forget what you just said. Yeah. Um, Because to me, there's like an evolution of like phase one clone trooper, phase two clone trooper, Imperial Stormtrooper, First Order Stormtrooper. Sure. And the Imperial Stormtrooper is probably my least favorite of those four. Yeah. Because I really like the clone trooper helmets. Mm. But I agree that I, I like when you when I look at the four of those all next to each other, they feel like a very natural evolution. I agree. And I'll segue that into my uh, favorite trooper design, which is going back to the final season of the Clone Wars. I'm going with the three thirty-second Clone Trooper design, where you had the Phase Two Clone Trooper helmets painted to match Ahsoka's face tattoos. Are they tattoos or facial markings?
2: I think they're facial markings. Facial
0: markings. Um, but yeah, I think that's. I think it just looks super cool. I have one of those helmets myself, and I also have a giant poster in my Star Wars room of the final shot of the Clone Wars where you just see uh, that helmet on a on a pike, or it's not on a pike, but it's in the sand, or in the snow. Forgive me. Um, it's in the snow. Matt will edit this, make me sound better. Or it's not on a pike, but it's in the sand or in the snow.
1: <laughs> you just said forgive you so intensely that it felt like you were like praying almost.
0: Because I want to swear right now, but I'm trying not to. Why? Uh, I think I'm, I'm frustrated appropr- on myself. I'm like, that that
2: was an appropriate beg for forgiveness. That was embarrassing. <laughs>
1: We we've been too diligent on this episode too. I feel like I I wanted to fight so bad for some reason. I feel like we've been we have to take the gloves off a little bit. I think
0: it's it's in the snow. The last shot is of the the, the helmet Final sticking answer? out of the snow, and it looks awesome.
1: Yeah, I I, I figure that you were, were gonna say that, and a great um that is a great trooper design. My favorite trooper. Uh, of of a recent... I like the Shore Trooper a lot. So that is like my runner-up. I just have runner-ups consistently. But my favorite is the Death Trooper.
2: Oh, I'm glad someone said it. Yeah, thank God. I was worried when you didn't say it, Max.
1: (laughs) Specifically, once again, big fan of Rogue One. I love... That specific scene as well when you first see them. I also <laughs> love the color. Black might be my favorite color. If not, it, it, uh, I guess black Beautiful. is like, as an adult, I guess it's my favorite color. Um, but like as a kid growing up, it's, it's, it's green, which they also incorporated. So it's like the best of both worlds for me. And it's, it feels like something I would have designed.
2: Yeah. That reminds me of just how wonderful Star Wars is in terms of like how... Random, You can become infatuated with such yeah. obscure things. Like Kit Fisto is one of my favorite characters just because I think he looks neat, and I really ran with it. And, you know, you have that thought once, and then that's your favorite character for the next 20 years. And when Max and I and our other friend Dan were at Star Wars Celebration in 2022, we were at an event that had a silent auction. And we weren't really talking to each other about it, but we all ended up... Because it was
1: silent? <laughs> basically. But so we, all, we all that's ended up... <laughs>
2: purchasing different death trooper toys yeah and then we all left and we were like what'd you guys get and we all just jumped, death trooper and we're like oh my god do we love the death trooper now is this our favorite trooper design <laughs> we're yeah. gonna collect death troopers for the rest of our lives and we are <laughs> yeah.
0: one of us what was it? it was like one of us got like a, a black series someone got a funko someone else got yeah, like the elite a, series the elite also series yeah and it was funny because i think dan was the last one to get it and he was the one that we started to realize what happened right because weren't we like all kind of like bidding on the same thing at one point <laughs>
2: Well, we we were all bidding on everything because they had so much cool stuff. But that's like we only all got one thing, and it was all a Death Trooper, and it was all a different Death Trooper, and it was just such a fun moment.
1: Yeah. Can you retell that story, but say Matt instead of Dan? <laughs> <laughs> we invited you to celebration. I know.
0: Um, okay, no explanations, just one word answer. What is your favorite creature design? I feel
1: like that's directed at me? <laughs> no, it's, it's it's at all of us. It's at all of us. We all had a lot of things to
0: say.
2: Uh, the Porg, by by a lot. I... <clears throat> Grogu.
0: Okay. I went with the Abenito species. My second I was Lothgap. They look good. Remind me what the Abenito are? Um, uh, there's one in the- a- <laughs> one. <laughs> no, no. Uh, there's, one, there's one in Black Squadron. Uh, he's His name is Adi. He's also in the Poe comics. Um, he looks like a hippo uh, mixed with a fish, kind of. Yeah, he's the he's one in The Force
2: Awakens that says, but no damage. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I remember him. Okay.
0: He's, he, uh, there's also another one in uh, Canto Bite that points out um, Finn and Rose.
2: Mm, I, I went and told him you can't park your shuttle here. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh my. It, yes. <laughs> is that just a Gordon Levitt? Also, I, I believe, believe so. so yeah. yeah. I think that was his cameo.
2: Um, I will say about porgs, they are the perfect blend of practical and CG effects, which we'll talk about later. But it's very important to blend those two because all practical is not good enough. It's 2023. We can make it digital. Also, and the porg is the perfect example of blending them to make it better for the both.
0: All right. Well, Luke just forfeited his next topic. So, I Matt, like that reasoning. what's your what's your favorite droid design?
1: Well, my favorite droid design is just BB-8. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm with you on that one. It's, I think it, it, instantly was a classic from a teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of others, but I mean, it's BB-8. Yeah. You guys are or both BB- saying
2: BB-8, and I'm not allowed to say mine, just so we're clear. I can say yours. <laughs> B2 EMO from Andor. He's like a dog. Yeah. And he's always sad, oh, okay. and he's so cute. And that guy pushes him over at the end and starts a whole. He starts the rebellion. <laughs>
1: You have to throw the blanket over him to stop the, the hologram, mm-hmm. right? Him acting not him acting like a dog is so good or like a like a child. But like uh, I think there's something, again, inherently very, very sad about Andor, and the fact that he doesn't understand that Andor's mom is dead is like mm-hmm. actually heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think that's like what I think about it a lot. It's because like, that's like your worst fear is to be like, what, what if this You know, what if, I don't know, something doesn't understand, and it's, like, heartbreaking, and it's, uh, to see it on screen, it, like, brings that fear to reality. Yeah,
2: that's the one moment that made me cry in Andor, when uh, Cassian says, you have to come through for me, and he says, you always say that, and and you always do, and it's like, oh, Mm. it's such a, he's such a tragic hero. Yeah, Mm.
0: That is good. All right, last one, what is the best Disney-era movie? Matt. Matt.
1: um, I think this is going to come as no surprise, since I've been talking about it the entire episode, but my favorite movie is Rogue One. It ranks really high within the all my movies ranked together. Um, I don't want to give that too much away, because I feel like we talked about Return a little bit, where that sits, and Rogue, it sits pretty high, though. <laughs> um, and so I think Rogue One does something that's great. It is the first spin off movie. It has the challenge of also not having a crawl like i remember sitting at theater and being like what are they going to do
2: i know because we knew there wasn't going to be a crawl and everyone was talking about what they're going to do instead of because they can't just open it like a regular movie but they did that perfectly with the hard noise yeah
1: exactly they did such a good job i mean not to mention obviously i guess like right the biggest fact is that they killed the entire cast with no chance of coming back unless they did a prequel which they did with andor but like they killed that's a huge swing for a big blockbuster movie there's no franchise potential Mm-hmm. You know, they killed off everybody. I think it came out as a huge surprise. We get Saw Gerrera as well. We get the Death Troopers.
0: Very underrated. I love Saw Gerrera.
1: Yeah, so do I, and his voice. And we also get Krennic, which I think is a really good villain. We get... Um,
0: Krennic is great. Death Troopers.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes. Death Troopers are great. Uh, uh, Galen Urso is so interesting as CG well. CG Tarkin. CG Tarkin. CG Leia as well. Like Those don't bother me. Um, the Vader scene at the end, I think, and that's not even talking about like K Two S O and like Alan Tudyk's great voice and like that comedy that comes through K Two S O is so good. Mm-hmm. It's like C Three P O, but like actually funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love C Three P O, but like it's like him, but uh, not uh, not necessarily annoying or nagging like Three P O is a little bit. Um, I love Bodhi for some reason. I think he's great. I think he's an interesting defective pilot uh, before we saw Force Awakens. Even um, yes, I think Rogue One is. Not only a great Star Wars movie, it's a great movie, um, in overall, and I think it fills in a very tiny gap. But I also (laughs) love that era, like in that Rebellion era. I think the Galactic War um, is great. Galactic Civil War is like my favorite era. I think. kind of playing around in that sandbox is fantastic.
0: And the ending is what's so satisfying because you you know it's in that era but you don't know exactly when and until the last the, 2 seconds and you're Four? like this is the Tantive Four? Yes. Exactly. And you're like, "Oh my god, this is moments
1: before a new hope." Yeah. I I love every little bit about it. Yeah. Yeah,
2: it was a great theater experience.
1: Yes. yes. We have we went to go see it together. Mhm. Oh, where was I? You were also there. Oh, what? I, <laughs> Sorry. I have a picture with Luke with a stormtrooper at that um, at that premiere.
0: Yeah, oh, I kind of remember that
1: now. I'll yeah. post it. Okay, <laughs> on
0: our social. Yeah, check check us out on Instagram. Um, all right, Luke. I went with the Last Jedi. You see, I was afraid that was going to happen. There's only five movies that we can choose from, but mine is also the Last Jedi. So... I assumed
1: this would happen. I'm a little disappointed because we were big Rogue One fans.
0: <laughs> I it, no, it's high. It's high up there. But the Last Jedi. Well, Luke. Well, I, f- yeah. I feel like yes. I want you to explain it.
2: So when we're talking about Star Wars, right, I stop. I'll take especially.
0: It from <laughs> I, I especially up. have a
2: hard time separating my feelings for movies and TV shows from my feelings for Star Wars movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. and so like I, I talk about when I talk about Jedi Survivor, I love it as a, as a game. I don't really like it as a Star Wars game, and so with spoilers other movies, for Luke's and Rogue One <laughs> right, <laughs> for yeah, the yeah, weeks yeah. to come. So with the Last Jedi, I of course love it for what it brings to the lore and the characters that are developed through it, but it's also the best directed, the best written, the best shot, the best effects, the best creature design. It just fires on all cylinders at its maximum, and
0: it's my favorite. And kind of going off of um, the legacy of George Lucas and constantly advancing with, with him, I feel like it was much more like the technology aspect of it. But I really appreciated the swings that Ryan Johnson took. A lot of people don't, obviously. The Last Jedi is probably one of the most polarizing um pieces of star wars that's out there today um but i i really like it i really like the um the the guts that he had to make some of the choices that he did uh killing off uh, snoke in that throne room i think was just amazing i mean we just talked about that scene two seconds ago so i'm not going to rehash it but yeah
2: yeah i i don't want to get too into my feelings versus digital versus practical effects but ryan johnson also does a tremendous job of using practical effects and digital effects at the same time in the bonus features for the last jedi i remember watching it when it came out you know five years ago that he wanted to do as much practically as he could and they really tried to get the crystal foxes on crate to be practical with like real dogs dressed in crystal costumes Mm -hmm. and he just never got it to look exactly the way he wanted so he made it all digital and i think that was such the right decision because ah, We'll, we'll we'll do an episode soon about the the intricacies between digital and practical effects and when they are used appropriately and not. But Brian Johnson great, does yeah. it great in The Last Jedi.
1: That's a great example of using something digitally. I think it looks it do, they do like really good. There's like that moment in the trailer when they look up and something's wrong. You you sense it mm-hmm. uh, in in the movie too. I like Last Jedi a lot.
0: All right, so that's everything that we have for this episode. Let us know what you think. Uh, feel free to reach out to us on social media. You can find myself on Twitter at MaxterJedi. Jedi.
1: You can find me at Filmowski
0: and you can find me at
2: kitfisto blog and you can find us at force for thought across all the socials.
0: And let us know what you think. Were we on the nose? Are we completely wrong? What were your favorite scenes, characters, moments, TV shows in uh, this new era of Star Wars that we get to live in? Let us know.
1: Thanks. Did you enjoy us not arguing or <laughs> not?
0: More arguments to come.
1: Tell us, Sammy. <laughs>